Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, good morning, good morning, a pleasant good Wednesday morning to each and every one of you. We welcome you as always to Off the Bench presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman. We come your way Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern time. You can find us streaming on YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports. We always ask if you wouldn't mind, please subscribe to the program. We also stream on Facebook. That's our Chatterbox Sports page. Flip the notification switch on and as always, you can join us in podcast form. Just search off the bench with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in. All right. Is he the greatest of all time? What about Michael Jordan? What about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? Wilt Chamberlain? Magic Johnson? Oscar Robertson? All of them incredible, no doubt. But one thing LeBron James has over all of them and every other player to ever suit up in the NBA points Scored Last night, James broke the all-time scoring record, which belonged to Jabbar, and it stood for nearly 40 years. The four-time NBA champion and four-time league MVP. Listen to this. He also ranks fourth all-time in assists, ninth all-time in steals. He's 32nd all-time in rebounds, and he's 91st in block shots. And he doesn't play down low. James said he's humbled and that the ride has been fantastic. We say congratulations to Anita Buckeye, Akron St. Vincent St. Mary High School, LeBron James. College basketball now. The UC Bearcats were looking for that big late season push, trying to make up ground for lost time early in the year. The Cats traveled down to the Big Easy last night. And for a while, they made it look easy against a decent Tulane team. They opened up a 14-point lead in the first half, but then Victor Locken went down with an ankle injury, could not come back, and things fell apart. The Bearcats lose in overtime 101-94, 16-9 now on the year. Next up for UC, South Florida at Fifth Third Bank Arena Saturday night. Now the Xavier Musketeers... They don't play again until Friday night against Butler. But last night, a good one for the X-Men. And that's due to the fact that they woke up this morning all alone atop the Big East Conference. UConn destroyed number 10 Marquette. How is that Marquette team ranked 10th? <laughs> we'll get into that with Paul Fritcher. I mean, seriously. Top 10 in the country? You gotta be kidding. The Muskies will play them in Milwaukee one week from tonight. Elsewhere, Kentucky. Holy Moses. Paul talked about it yesterday. Big one last night at Rupp Arena. They are hammered by Arkansas. 88-73. Dayton got an important win at VCU 62-58. In the Mid-American Conference where men are men. Well, at least in some places. Ohio University beats Northern Illinois 82-76. Then there are other places. Like Miami. Miami got a win last night over Western Michigan, 85-78. Number 18, Indiana, downs Rutgers, 66-60. That was a good game. In football news, the Super Bowl, of course, is Sunday night in Glendale, Arizona. Kickoff set for 6.30. You can watch that game on Fox. We'll talk more about that today. Interesting news where Raiders quarterback Derek Carr was granted permission by the team to meet today with the New Orleans Saints. 
Now, Las Vegas has until February the 14th to either keep him or release him. They, of course, would prefer a trade to get something back for Carr. He's owed $40 million this year on his current contract. And lastly, and this is something I know many of you after hearing this story, if you've heard it already, have to be contemplating your next move in life. And that would be the Aaron Rodgers story. Where did you see this, fellas? Casey McAllister, Paul Fritchner, good morning. How are you, Tom? Tom? Doing great. You guys all right? Fantastic. I think, uh, I think I might need whatever you're about to say about Aaron Rodgers. Okay, if we're, so we're he's on Pat McAfee's show, which he's on every week, okay? And he talked about, and I'm going to ask Marty Brenneman about this. Even though he's in retirement, this might be something he would contemplate. Aaron Rodgers is going dark for four days. He's going to an undisclosed location. He will be by himself in a very small area, completely black, no light, and be there for four days. The only contact he will have with another soul on this planet is when his food is delivered. And and he talked about it at length. There's hallucinations involved when you're isolated like that in the dark for four days. And he's hoping it will lead him to a decision (laughs) (laughs) on whether or not he's going to play football this year. I'm laughing because I can see Marty Brenneman, the Hall of Famer, off the air. We're going to stay away from his uh, gyrations uh, involving this Aaron Rodgers story. Dad, uh, good morning. Have you contemplated ever in your life going dark for four days? I think I might have done that a couple of times in the 70s, but I'm not sure. (laughs) I'd have to go back and study that a little bit more, but I might have I might have been there. Yeah, I might have been there. Any any bunch of crap. This is the biggest bunch of crap I've ever heard. Do you know how damn tired I am of Tom Brady and now Aaron Rodgers? Do you know I don't give a damn if he comes back and plays at Anderson High School? Evan Dreyer might be thrilled if he did, but. That's how little I care about what Aaron Rodgers is doing. Not only that, but you all might have missed the story that came out of the Pebble Beach Pro-Am, which he and whoever his partner was ben won Ben Silverman, it. I believe it was. All right. Well, you saw what Keith Mitchell said. Very, he, his, he, he and uh, Josh Allen finished second. And when the subject was brought up that um, – that, uh, Aaron Rodgers' handicap was 10 uh, or 3. Uh, he no, had, it was, no you're right. Had, no, you're right. You're right. It was 10. No, no. They adjusted it to 10. Oh, okay. His handicap at Green Bay Country Club is 3. Okay. They adjusted all the amateurs' uh, handicaps, and his, his handicap for the Pro-Am was 10, and Keith Mitchell called him a sandbagger and said that's not correct. He said, as far as I'm concerned, Josh Allen and I finished second, so really we finished first because we don't sandbag. And he did. He had very uh, nothing nice to say about uh, Aaron Rodgers. Wow. Go back and read it. Have to do that. Yeah. All right. We started the show, and you and I were talking about this last night. You and I and your grandson, my son, Luke Brenneman, went to dinner last Indeed. night. Indeed. Yes. And we covered multiple topics. 
one of them was, and, and, and look, this is, it doesn't matter what the sport is, right? I mean, you, you talk Correct. about baseball, you can make an argument for Aaron. You can make an argument for Frank Robinson. You can make an argument for Babe Ruth, whoever you want. Um, and it all depends on really your generation and who you saw. And, you know, you don't know about this guy. And obviously Luke Brenneman knows nothing about Michael Jordan besides, you know, the 30 for 30 stuff or whatever Correct. it was called, last dance. Um, LeBron James, the all-time leading scorer, I gave where he ranks in so many other categories, which is just incredible. Um, for you, and, and you're one of the, the, that has seen all these guys. You were broadcasting professional base, uh, basketball back in the ABA. I mean, you saw, even though they were in the NBA, you saw Oscar Robertson, you saw Wilt Chamberlain, you saw Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you saw all these Michael yeah. Jordan. Is LeBron the greatest of all time? And not for me, John, but I say that with a great deal of prejudice because Michael went to Carolina, I went to Carolina, um, and, and you can argue this until worlds collide. Um you know, Michael Jordan, if you want to make an argument of Jordan, you talk about his offensive skills, uh, the all-time leading average score uh, in the postseason, uh, a guy who in 1988 was an uh, NBA Defensive Player of the Year and also averaged over 30 points a game. Nobody had done that up until then, and nobody has done it since then. Only player in the history of the league to be Defensive Player of the Year and also score 30-plus points a game. Um, now, on, on LeBron James's side, more rebounds, more assists than Michael had collectively. But the two guys play different positions. And so you can argue all you want to. I, I happen to believe that Jordan's nine times chosen on the all-defensive team to five for uh, LeBron James uh, speaks volumes about the all-around ability of Jordan, maybe a little bit more so in the fact that he has more NBA championships uh, than LeBron, which is a measuring stick for a lot of people in a lot of sports. Um, so I, you know, I lean toward Michael Jordan, but I think what is interesting, and I think you told me that sometime down the road, you're going to have Seth Davis on. Seth Davis says that the all-time greatest player, and here's the way he qualifies it, high school, college, and professional is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah, He was the best player of his time in high school. He was the best player of his time in college. And he was the best player of his time in the NBA. Um, Michael Jordan was an okay high school player. Uh, people used to joke when he went to Carolina, the only person that could hold him under 30 points a game was Dean Smith. God bless his soul. Uh, so if you want to make an argument for Jordan as the greatest basketball player in NBA history, or LeBron James... But, but Seth Davis says it's Jabbar, high school, college, professional. So it's an interesting argument. It truly is. You know, it really is amazing when you think about, well, let's start here, you know, for a second with, um, with a couple of other names that never seem to come up. You know, Will Chamberlain gets overlooked, I think, in this whole, I don't know how you can overlook somebody who is, you know, 7'2", 280 pounds and chiseled out of stone before we ever saw guys built like that. I mean, he was just right. from a physical specimen, unlike anybody that had ever played the game. Of course, for those who don't know, uh, he's the only player that ever scored 100 points in a professional basketball game. And there weren't three-point shots back in those days, and he wouldn't have taken them even if there was. Uh you know, the, the two guys that come to mind, Dad, are Chamberlain and Bill Russell. Because no one won more championships, if you're going to use that as a barometer, 
I mean, he had yeah. almost two hands full of championships. You know, those two guys, to me, maybe more than anybody else in this debate, get overlooked. Well, again, when you bring up those two names, you can also qualify that. You could, you could very easily call Bill Russell the greatest team player in the history of professional basketball. Because while the Celtics were okay, uh, everything changed when Russell came out of the University of San Francisco. And, and, and you know, more NBA titles, uh, a guy that was truly and all about the team. Now, he was surrounded by outstanding players. There's no question about that. Uh, but at the same time, what he accomplished by really not averaging a whole lot of points per game. And the other thing is that when he went head-to-head -head with Will Chamberlain, from a statistic standpoint, Chamberlain beat his brains out. I mean, there was no comparison in terms of how many points uh, Chamberlain scored when the 76ers or the Warriors, whatever they were called back then, played the Celtics and, and went head-to-head -head with, uh, with uh, Bill Russell. So I, there, there are so many qualifiers. It's almost like a baseball argument. I maintain that the greatest sports arguments of all time from year to year to year are more so in baseball than in any other sport. That's where the term the hot stove league came from. Um, people arguing about players and about teams and about errors, et cetera. But this is a great argument that probably now that James has set the uh, all-time uh, career scoring record in the NBA, which he did with 38 points last night, uh, this, this argument is going to go on ad nauseum as long as they play the sport. It should be noted, I was looking around and, and some research on this before the show today, that James uh, has played in nearly 450 more games than Michael Jordan. So if you start going through what you brought up earlier about scoring average, which Jordan yes. has a higher scoring average than LeBron. But you know, Dad, the, th the thing, and, and Paul Doherty brought this up um, a couple of weeks ago when he was on the show. We got to talking about uh, LeBron or something like that. And, and, you know, you can look at, and, and they're different sports, okay? I mean, it, it's not like, you know, a, a baseball player having an 0 for 4 night. Everybody has the 0 for 4, 0 for 5, whatever it is, night right. they strike out three times. But, you know, the, the, the thing about, these guys we're talking about, in particular, Jordan and LeBron James, and even to some current guys, this Luka uh, with the, the Mavericks, you know. Doncic. They, yeah. They, these guys, they never have a bad night. When you go to – it's not to say that there won't be some night where they shoot a little bit better than they do another night, but you're almost guaranteed for these guys that played 12, 15, 17 years in basketball I'm talking about that these guys yeah. never had bad nights. It's amazing to me. Well, um, yeah, I, I guess it is. I, I, I've often maintained, and, you know, I spent three years, three and a half years in the ABA before I came to Cincinnati. I, I truly believe that in terms of um, physical presentation, as far as leagues are concerned, the basketball players are obviously the best in shape athletes of all of them. Uh, baseball, football, basketball, uh, hockey. But I think basketball, especially at the NBA level, because of the fact they play 80-plus games, plus a 1,000, it seems like, once the postseason <laughs> gets underway. Um, and and I, I don't know that they never had a bad night. I think, I think they're 
all of those guys at some point had nights that they were not happy with and they didn't shoot the ball well and they turned the ball over, even Jordan and even James. Uh, uh, but at the same time, from a consistency standpoint, uh, and, and the number of years, Tom, that you mentioned, um, these guys, you know, they went out and did it. And that, I mentioned that 88 season when Jordan made the all-defensive team and uh, was player of the year defensively and averaged over 30 points a game. He played in every single game that season. He did not miss one game in that 88 season. Um, you know, again, that's an argument that uh, when you throw in Chamberlain and you throw in Russell and, and to a lesser degree, you got people like the Big O and 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 you got Jerry uh, Jerry West and you could go on and on and on about well, Kobe Bryant uh, Kobe Bryant's in that mix for sure absolutely I mean, yeah without yeah. any question without yeah. any question but like right. I said to you uh, last night run one final point uh, I don't know that LeBron James has the mean streak in him that Michael Jordan had oh yeah I mean Michael Jordan took great glee in destroying people even in practice. And he enjoyed that. I don't. I don't know that, that James has that mean streak in him like Jordan did, and I think that added to Michael Jordan's ability to play the game. Um, Done with let, that. Let's shift gears now, real quick, to uh, a couple of topics on college basketball and your alma mater. I mean, you stayed around for the first half to watch it last night uh, at our house. Uh, what uh, you know. The two, two of the blue blood, three of them really, we'll talk about all three because you and I talked a little bit about this last night. You look at Carolina, yep. Kentucky, Duke, three biggest names in college basketball. You could put UCLA in there as a fourth. Kansas perhaps is a fifth. All time, right? You got three of those teams in Carolina, Kentucky, and Duke. Go figure on all three of them. We start with Carolina. You can't be happy as a Tar Heel alum about what's going on down there and your guy Caleb Love and Hubert Davis and all the rest of these guys. Well, the first half last night was the most embarrassing 20 minutes of basketball I've ever seen a Carolina team play. Um, it, was a, it was a game of layups as far as Wake Forest was concerned. And, and, and then Carolina came back and made an incredible run in the second half. But you knew... Uh, when they were down by 20 to 22, whatever it was at halftime, they were not going to come back and win the game, and they did. They scored 60 points in the second half last night, which was more points in 20 minutes than they scored against Duke in 40 in losing that game. They've got major problems, and what was interesting was that after the game, Hubert Davis kept them in the dressing room for 40 minutes, and observers who I know who were at the game and have a long history of association with Carolina basketball, said in all the years they'd been around, uh, they never saw Dean Smith keep a team that long in the dressing room post-game. They never saw Roy Williams do it. Last night, Hubert Davis kept him in the dressing room for 40 minutes. And he said, I feel like we've got some things cleared up. We, have st we still have others to take care of. My point is this. Why in the hell are we talking about problems like this with a team that has played 25 basketball games. I saw some guy uh, said, they, uh, Caleb Love and R.J. Davis ought to learn how to pass the ball. Why in the hell did they address this six weeks ago? What are you doing addressing it now? That is coaching or the lack thereof. I, I see they played a lot of bench guys last night in the second half. Uh, Tyler Nickel and, and uh, uh, Jalen Washington, 
Um, and some of the other guys that came off the bench, Seth Tremble, uh, and they played well. Uh, and, and and even though Peter Nance had a decent game last night, he was horrible against uh, Duke. And, but 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 Hubert Davis refuses to change the lineup. He refuses to give his people on the bench more playing time. I blame him just as much, even more so, for the kind of year this team is having than anything else. Because if I got Caleb Love and I got uh, R.J. Davis as my starting guards, and I sit them down in a room, and this should have been done uh, five weeks ago, I'd say to them, sons, every time that ball comes across the midcourt line and we have it offensively, it, the ball better be touched at least one time by Armando Bacot. And I cannot believe that conversation has ever taken place. It is embarrassing what they've done. Um, and, and whether or not it's too late to get this thing straightened out, I don't know. But it's embarrassing. As a Carolina graduate, who uh, was there when Dean was coaching and has been there since when Roy was coaching. Uh, it's embarrassing to see a team play the way they played, especially in the first 20 minutes last night. All right, I want to ask you, you went on Twitter either last night or this morning. And, you know, there are a lot of UC Bearcat fans that are, that are wondering what sort of the state of the program right now. They got bad luck well, last night with Victor Locken being uh, injured. They looked great. Um, in the in the first half of that game, they built this huge lead. Locken, who arguably has been their best player in recent weeks, recent games, he gets injured, can't play right. the rest of the game. They lose in overtime. But, uh, you know, a lot of people saying, hey, well, what's the deal down here? You're a big Wes Miller defender. I sure am. And I think Wes Miller is track record. Uh, granted, you, you that's the only way you can judge a guy now. I don't care if he coached UNC Greensboro. That's where he coached. He did a heck of a job there. Um, I think that uh, these naysayers are going to one day say, you know what, I was wrong about him. Uh, give him give him three or four years and let him recruit his own people, and then, then you want to pass judgment on Wes Miller, you go ahead and do that. But I have faith in Wes Miller, and I think he's going to be an outstanding coach at the University of Cincinnati, uh, and, and, and these people are going to, uh, say you, I guess I was wrong, and I'm going to be happy to say I told you so. I think he'll be a very, very good coach at UC. Paul, before we get to um, uh, a baseball question, do you have any questions about college basketball since you literally stay up all hours of the night like a common degenerate watching these games? Yeah, I do. I, I watch probably five, six games a night. So, I, Marty, I'm curious from the, the game against Duke over the weekend, Duke, North Carolina. Um, you know, everybody was talking about Duke. Is that getting back on the right track? And then they go lay an egg down against Miami, who's, you know, Jim Laranaga's got them playing well. They have a, a good team this year. It's not a team I'd want to play in the tournament, of course. Laranaga's always got those guys rolling. Um, what do you think that says – Does do you think it says more about Duke that they only won by six at home, or do you think it says more about Carolina that they couldn't get it done on the road? How do you how do you kind of read into a game like that when both Duke and North Carolina then go and get blown out the next week? I, I wish I had that answer, Paul. I the thing what, what disappointed me and Tom and I talked about this last night that John Shire came out what yesterday uh, or or uh, the day before and talked about how much pressure these two kids play under. Uh, I never heard Mike Shashevsky utter that kind of crap one time. It is a given that if you go to Duke. You go to Carolina, you go to UCLA, you go to Kansas, you go wherever. 
that has a high-profile college program, you are going to be playing under the attendant pressure that is brought to bear by the fact that your team plays at as high a level as there is to be played in college basketball. I'm not interested in hearing that crap from a first-year coach, and that's an excuse. Um, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't. We'll wait and see how Carolina plays against Duke in Chapel Hill. Um, as bad as they've been, they've been a pretty good team at home. Um, I, I thought they had chances to win that game uh, as bad as they played. Uh, and again, I go right back to the fact that those two guards, they never, they have make bad decisions on the floor. Uh, they take terrible shots uh, and nothing is done about it. Um, and I really believe, and I hope I'm right, that, that uh, these two programs are going to be fine down the road. I mean, a lot of people forget about the fact that, uh, you know, when Mike Krzyzewski took over, I did a game at Freedom Hall in Louisville uh, against the University of Louisville back in 1981 or 82, and, and Louisville wins by almost 50 points. A and there was a time when Krzyzewski was on the was on the brink until he recruited that class of Billis and Mark Allery and Johnny Dawkins and Tommy Amaker and that bunch, and everything turned around. Um, I, I say you just wait. And it, now, if they if these teams go through the same thing next year, then I think you've got to take a long, hard, cold look at the decision that you made in naming one or both of those guys head coaches. One more thing about Carolina. I am so tired of seeing coaching staffs that are loaded with former players. And I told this to Tom last night. Bring in some guy that has no Carolina ped pedigree at all. He has a great track record at other institutions on the Division I level whether he be an offensive coach or a defensive coach or whatever the case might be, and and let him initiate new ideas about how to run the program or how to run your offense or how you produce a, a, a team that plays little or no defense at all. But just, just because Sean May was a great player there on a national championship team, Jeff Lebo was a great guard, I'm tired of seeing all these ex-Carolina guys with no outside input from somebody who has no ax to grind one way or the other. Um, and I think Duke may be in a similar situation. I think they've got a couple of former Duke players on, on John Shire's staff. That's a problem that Duke has to deal with. But I say wait and see what happens when Carolina and Duke play uh, in the last game of the regular season. Well, you know, Paul and I debate this uh, have quite frequently. To me, college basketball and the regular season has become a complete waste of time because of the disparity that takes place on a nightly basis with officiating and playing on your home court. It is impossible to believe that North Carolina playing at Duke if I'm not mistaken, North Carolina in that game shot three free throws in that game. Three. So, you know, to me, it's, it's you know, they can have rankings, and it's great to sell tickets, and it's great to watch on television, but all this stuff has become almost a moot point based on who the home team is, who the home road team is. Go play them on a neutral court, and we'll find out then. And that's when it matters. Yeah, but on – okay, fine. But on the other side of the coin – if you watched any of the Kentucky-Arkansas game last night, Calipari got a technical foul called on him in the first half and had a running argument with one of the officials that worked that game almost the entire 40 minutes. So he felt like he got screwed playing at home. So, you know, 
you can single out the Carolina three free throws, and I don't disagree with that, especially when they ran the stat the first half that up to that point of the year, Carolina had made more free throws than Duke as a team had shot. Carolina lives on the free throw line, and they have since Coach Smith was coaching back there. They draw fouls. They go to the line. Uh, it's important that they shoot well from the line. But, uh, you know, I, I still love college basketball. Yeah. I like it a hell of a lot more than I like the NBA. And, and, and I'll continue to watch it. And I'm sure Paul, who does not have another life, uh, will continue to stay <laughs> up and watch 17 games a night, like he Pete will. Rose used to do, watch baseball. Believe me, he will. He will. <laughs> he will. Uh, okay, last thing I want to ask you about. Uh, spring training yeah. starts in a week. Uh, pitchers and catchers yep. reporting for the Reds out in Arizona and all points from Arizona to Florida. Um, this Reds team for this season, and you know, look, nobody has a crystal ball and what's going to happen or not happen. Uh, but, you know, everybody talks about a good start. But I think for certain franchises, a good start means a lot of different things. If you're loaded with players and loaded with talent, okay, you get off to a bad start. There's a good chance over 162. You get it together and prove you're the best team. For other teams, where expectations might be low, and they're very low for the Reds, there's no doubt about that. But how a bad start can really now start to domino into a lot of things that if you're owning that franchise or you're running that franchise – uh, you know, you can all of a sudden wake up after they were last year at 3-21 and 21 and, you know, nobody's coming to the game, nobody's buying tickets, blah, blah, blah. Um, do you believe that, that at least a decent start is uber important for this Reds team this year? Without any question. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, I, you know, they, they feel like this, this is going to be a better team. Well, the, the, the definition in this case of a better team I would say, well, it can't be any worse than it was last year. Um, so I think for them to have the kind of start that they did last year or something akin to that can be disastrous in terms of fan interest. So, I, yes, I think it's very important that they get off to a decent start through the month of April. Um, and if they do, then they're that much further ahead of the game. Uh, in tricking the so-called experts. If they don't, then uh, they could be in for a very, very long season. I am still concerned, and I've said it, I'll say it again, how in the heck they're going to score runs. Yeah. Because, you know, the bad teams are the teams that say, well, we're going to be better if this, 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 and this happens. Good teams don't say that. And that's what this team is saying now, if this, 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 and this happens. Uh, you got to wonder. I think the uh, acquisition of Will Myers is a great one. I think yep. this, I've always been a fan of this young man. He's looking to come here on a one-year deal and turn things around so he can get a multi-year contract from somebody else. You, you just face that fact. You don't know what you're going to get out of Joey Votto. You don't even know whether Joey Votto is going to be ready to play when the season begins. And then you've got other people. Where is the offense going to come from unless some of these young players uh, – all of a sudden mature uh, in the offseason and start to post some big numbers. I, as I've said, I think their pitching is going to be much better than it was last year. But they've got to be able to score runs. And right now, I have a hard time finding out where those runs are going to come from. 
Marty, I, I'm curious. I don't want to put you on the spot as a gambling guy or not, but I am just going to ask you this question. Our sponsor, Betfred, just posted their Major League Baseball season win total lines, and the Reds' win total is posted at 65.5. Do you think that the Reds win 66 games this year? Uh, if, I, if I'm if i a betting man based on the 65.5, I, 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 I take the over on that. There you go. Now, and the one... over could be 68, you know. It could be 68, uh, and that means you're 68 and what, 94? Uh, that's probably good enough for last place. Uh, but I think 65 and a half is low. Uh, I would take the over on that. One final note before we let you go. We always like to get the opinions of those in our chat that watch on a regular basis. And the Certainly. Real Spirit Cat 1, he goes by. The Real Spirit Cat 1 says, asks a question. Can you imagine being in a restaurant and the Brenneman clan rolls in as we did last night? Give the, give the joint a little pub, the governor right there in Old Milford, right? Good place says, to eat, man. Might that be like the Corleones of the 513? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've been compared to a lot of people, but the Corleones, in fact, I'm reading one of those books right now. I'm reading one of them. Um, I don't want to be paired uh, compared to the Corleone family, but we, you know, you and, and your and your son, we refer to you as the Don. Yeah, well, him maybe. He he's the one that's going to be the Don. He might be already. He's making more than you and I both every month. I think. All right. <laughs> well, Dad, thanks for All the right, time. Pal. Great to see everybody's all excited that you were on here. I just want to make sure today I didn't miss anything from our good friend Everett. Because he's the one, of course, that, you know, you've called out on the carpet. He, he asked an innocent question. Harry Potter. Uh, he, he's asked innocent questions all the time about, um, what's the guy's name? D uh, Dumbledore. 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 Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. He, he, Everett's in the chat, but he has not said anything about Dumbledore. So we'll leave that be. Well, God bless Everett. Well, one other guy wants to know, and, and this is a, you know, look, I, I'm not sure I, I like this question, um, but someone points out, and I'd have to go back up here and try and find it, saying that, that you dress a lot like Ellen DeGeneres. What? <laughs> I'm just telling you, someone made the comment, said, I really like the attire Marty wears regularly. It reminds me, oh, here it is, Dirk Diggler. He, he says, I love how Mar Marty dresses like Ellen DeGeneres. Dirk Diggler. Dirk? <laughs> Dirk, let me say something to you. <laughs> this damn top I've got on right now costs more than your entire wardrobe. <laughs> and you're looking askance at the way I dress. Maybe you're not. Maybe, maybe you like the way Ellen dresses. And, and maybe she wears these same type of half-zip pullovers. I don't know. But if you're trying to be cute, I, I don't find that a bit funny. I swear to God, I don't. Um, okay. Hey, God, right. I bet you wear I bet you wear Dirk, I bet you wear some nice stuff. I bet your stuff well, is really nice. <laughs> Sir Boy Wonder follows it up with, and he's our main man. He says, do you yeah. know how to do the Ellen dance? I didn't even know that Ellen danced. I didn't know that. I don't watch daytime television. So I would not be familiar with her show or The View 
or, or any of those shows that come on during the day. I, I just don't watch daytime TV. I have more important things to do than Dirk Dickler does and, and some of these other people. All right, well, I mean, I had to ask. You know, it was out there just waiting. I'm sure you did. Absolutely. God bless you for asking the question. Yeah, I mean, the ball's right there. All I'm doing is putting it on the tee and, and handing you as your caddy, just handing you the driver, right. and, and, and off we go, right? You've been All doing right. that a lot in your lifetime. Yes, indeed. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we love you. Thanks for the time. We'll see you later. All right. Paul, Casey, good being with you guys. Good seeing you, Marty. Thanks, Marty, as always. All right. All right, I'll see you next week, Tom. Indeed. Uh, I mean, right there, it doesn't get any better than that. Oh, yeah. Dirk Diggler. Somebody follow with, no, Marty doesn't dress like Ellen DeGeneres. She dresses like him. I cannot believe uh, that, that Dirk didn't come back after that topic was brought up. He had that comment very early on. Everett, of course, is loving every minute of it because he is not, you know, taking a whipping here like um, that he normally gets. Everett says, Tom, if you want, I will come up with a Harry Potter-themed question every time your dad is on. I think that's a great idea. I think that's great. That's a great idea. Look, all we've ever done is want audience contributions on this show, and for the most part, they're usually pretty good. They're really good. I mean, we've got a good group, and we'll take some phone calls today, right, Casey? We can do that? Yep. We'll take phone calls today. <laughs> I mean, we've heard, you know, from a couple of you already. We're, we're experimenting with this. We, we have some things to get ironed out. Um, and the first thing it needs to change, I don't know if it can, so it's probably unfair of me to say, is every, all the hoops you got to jump through with, with, with actually codes and all this stuff. But I don't know if we can do anything about that. Oh, with uh, the phone? As of right now, no. That is a free program that we're using. So. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, if it's free, it's for me, and I'll have three as they say, right? Yep, right. Okay. All right. Um, so, uh, Paul, you, we're going to have today, we're going to go through a couple of other conferences in college basketball today, right? Yep. All right. We're going to talk a little bit about the Super Bowl. want to talk a, a, a little bit about, uh, you know, this whole Reds thing that we started there with, um, with uh, my dad. You know, and, and many of you have chimed in about this Reds team. They're not expected to have a good year. Pitchers and catchers report in less than a week. Uh, there are lingering questions out there in terms of uh, injuries. Dirk Diggler, by the way, jumped in and said Marty would be huge on TikTok. Probably would be. Do either one of you guys make TikTok videos? I actually just started making TikTok videos not too long ago. Um, and what's your, uh, they don't call it a handle, but what is your... Uh, it's just my name. It's just at Paul Fritschner. I started doing, I, I'm putting together some behind the scenes stuff. I kind of realized that maybe doing the stuff as, as the in-arena host at Cintas, that there might be some fun stuff people might like with behind the scenes of college basketball. So That's cool. I do, I'm doing all these behind. I'm actually I'm putting my first video up today. Well, you know what's funny? I put one up. Uh, I put one up. I checked TikTok this morning, and I, I kind of forgotten about it. I put one up like two or three weeks ago. So Patrick Ewing, when he tra- he's coach at Georgetown, when he travels with the team, he's so big, tall, and big that he travels with his own chair. They fly a chair with Georgetown just so that he can sit on it. Um, you mean during games? Like during games, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, you know, every team, at the, the, they, they, uh, they have the bench, but it's not really a bench. They're all chairs now. They're all cushion, nice cushion chairs in today's day and age. Well, Georgetown flies a specifically branded 
Georgetown chair with their team wherever they go because it's an extra, you know, foot tall sure. so that his legs have room. Well, I just took a video of this chair and put it on TikTok and it's got like three quarters of a million views. I no woke up kidding. I woke up this morning and it had like my phone had blown up. And this was a video from like three weeks ago and I had it had gotten a decent amount of views and it was yeah, it's like six hundred and yeah, 75,000 likes just on this video of a chair. And here I am editing. That's amazing, isn't it? It really is amazing. Well, here I am spending all this time editing a behind-the-scenes video and trying to give people some good content and kind of like what I do with my job and everything when I'm not here at Chatterbox. And uh, I just throw a video of a chair up that literally took me five seconds to film. Yeah. It's got three quarters of a million views. Well, look, there, there, there are a lot. I'm, you know, I'm really not surprised. I, I, I'm surprised because I don't understand that sort of world, the TikTok world and everything. I know a little bit about it, not much. Um, but I'm not surprised that people are so interested in some of the things that go on that those of us who are around it, I mean, you've probably known about that chair. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. Yeah, maybe oh, you, I, okay, I, I, I mean, do. you know, yeah. so the point I'm making is it's stuff that all of us take for granted. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like, you know, I, I look back now and I was never on social media and I'm rarely on it now, but I was never on social media, no accounts on social media. There are a lot of parodies out there and that kind of thing. But, you know, just even, even if you took a 20-second video of every broadcast booth you were in, you know, NFL stadiums, right? Major League Baseball stadiums, sort of walk down a hallway behind the scenes of, uh, you know, baseball, you'll walk past in San Diego, you know, the way it's set up with a you know, visiting radio, visiting TV, home radio, home television, all the way out to the dining room and where it looks down. I mean, people love seeing that stuff because they're never going to see that stuff. That chair. Now, if you're sitting down there by the Xavier bench and you're one of those highfalutin season ticket holders, whatever it is, yeah, yeah, you'll see it. You may not even know about it. Yeah. Right? But now all of a sudden, you know, people everywhere get a chance to say, gosh, I never knew that. That's pretty cool. And it's really cool to be able to learn about something that you didn't know before. Yeah. People are curious by nature, right? Yeah. And, and, and when you're a sports fan, it's become all about experiences, really. You know, when you go to charity events now, right, people don't want to go buy the fill-in-the-blank, you know, some item. Yeah, there's some. You'll, you'll want to get an autographed ball by Joey Votto, whatever it might be. But most of the people, and I used to put it up all the time when people would ask me to donate to a charity, it was always just the experience. You leave them four tickets to a game. They come up to the broadcast booth to visit for an inning. I mean, they're coming up there, and, and I mean, I've done this with thousands of people through the years, where when they come up there, they, you know, I, I'll hear them say, gosh, I never, I never, I always wondered what, what this booth looks like, you know, or I always wonder what, like, your view was like, you know, and all, it's, it, it really is amazing how much people, that's what they want, and you gave them basically an experience by just a single piece of video of a chair. Yeah. And it, it is funny because the next video I put up was a video of, of Xavier. I took one from when they walked out of the locker room and I followed back behind the last guy and went out and ran onto the court with them for the game. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, I do that every game because I have to go back in there. I'm getting water. I'm getting food, whatever it is, before I go out there to work. I see these guys in and out of the locker room all the time. I'm around the coaches, Sean Miller, all these guys. I don't even think about it. And then you go and you put that video up, it gets a few thousand views, and you're thinking, oh, yeah, I mean, 
how many people are really down by the locker room or know what's behind the yeah. scenes or any of that stuff. I mean, I think that whole little area down there is really cool. It's not big, but that whole little area down there at Centos Center is yeah. just so cool. Yeah. The way you go into the tunnel there by the student section, you know, you can walk right out the door in the back of the joint, yeah. straight ahead, 50 yards maybe, right? Yeah. And the, But if you turn left, all of a sudden, you, you know, you've got the on the right that little private club area, whatever they got underneath the stands. And then you've got walking back into where the Xavier locker room is and all the way down the end of the hall where they have another gym so teams can practice. and all. That stuff is really cool to see. Yeah. Even for a guy that's going there to work an event, and I've seen it 10 times. Yeah. I walk through that tunnel and I think this is really cool. A lot of people would like to see that. You should start doing all that stuff regularly. Yeah. I'm, I'm, My son, by the way, told me last night, your name came up. And, and both of your names came up. And we're sitting there at dinner with my dad, and they're like, man, you know, I never thought when this show started that, um, that, that Casey and Paul were going to be so involved in the show as far as contributing vocally, right? And I don't know if we had any idea that that was going to happen when this show started. Probably didn't think that, and, and, and now wouldn't change it for the world. But my son told me last night that when he was down at that Xavier game, and I was explaining to my dad how you filled in for Joe Sunderman, you know, and these kinds of things, yeah. and, uh, and that, you know, you've done minor league baseball play-by-play, -play, and we're talking about some of that. And by the way, i got my Pioneer League uh, pullover here. Love the Pioneer League. Beautiful part of the country up there. Yeah. Um, but my son says, Dad, Paul has a bodyguard. Walking around with him, a security guard walking around with him because he is such a big-time operator <laughs> at CentOS Center. Is that true or false? Uh, this isn't a hard question to answer. No, I, I don't. I mean, I do have guys that... No, either you do or you don't. You He's just not, said don't and do in the same sentence. That's funny. No, it, it's not a security guard. It's somebody telling me where to go for all my stuff. But I could see where it would be... A, you would think it might be somebody that's walking me around. I mean, it's just like anybody that would be walking around if you see them at a red stadium or the guy that hosts the game or whatever. So, yeah, I guess if you're listening, you don't know. I'm the in-arena host at Xavier, uh, which means I'm the person that goes up into the stands. During timeouts. During timeouts. I'm right. like, hey, I'm here in section 114 with the Kroger fan of the game. And then I do a little interview on the Jumbotron and hand him a gift card, call it a day. Uh, and so, yeah, so Luke was sitting there. Luke was sitting right by where I stand for yep. the game. So I got a chance to go up. I, I met him. I talked to him for a little bit. And, uh, yeah, that's funny. I, I don't know if he was kidding around or not, uh, just because down around there it does get really busy. But I do have two or three people that help me kind of navigate and get around and tell me where no, to go. No, he said you walk around like, like the president of the joint over there. <laughs> Paul was just trying to be modest. He didn't want to like seem like he's this big profile. He didn't want to outclass us. I'm just having but, fun. I'm just having fun. Join the game. But I do have some help to get around. You know, Jim Day was pointed out by um, by Joshua Morgan here on the chat. You know, you, he says Paul is the Jim Day of Xavier basketball. We love Jim Day on this program. Yeah. Funny dude. We got to have him on sometime. Oh, he's probably on his way out to Arizona. We do a big interview with Jim. Yeah, you know what? I agree with that Let's because that. he is such a funny guy. You know what a lot of people may not know about that guy is he was a phenomenal high school athlete. I mean, big time high school athlete, like one of the best guys in the state in a couple of sports. He was a really good athlete. Some may not know that. 
Um, okay, it says uh, one last. Sir Boy Wonder says Paul Frischner should be calling the games for the Reds. <laughs> I'm all I'm all in for that. If not him, then me. <laughs> That's a joke. Uh, all right, I'm going to throw it to the Ham and Eggers. All right, all right. Need a little break here for a minute, uh, and we got lots to talk about on the other side, gentlemen. Ham and Eggers, real men. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. All right, Casey. Uh, couple of things here so we are going to get as tom was talking about we're going to get to a college basketball preview here in a second um we have bet fred all the lines down at the bottom of the screen all bet fred lines if you're looking at tonight looking at some lines looking ahead we update all those lines every day thank you to bet fred sportsbook our presenting sponsor of everything here Don't at chatterbox have a problem 1-800-GAMBLER yes 1-800-GAMBLER if you do have a problem uh and you need to to call the line 1-800-GAMBLER um but we did talk about uc we're going to talk about them a little bit here when Tom comes back, I'm sure, uh, with their game last night. Bearcats Report is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve efficiency and what, Casey? Productivity. Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. There is also, right here, and I'm not drinking this water bottle because right now this is the last one left in the uh, in the office. There is a pro. There's also a new premium alkaline water out, and it's Pani right here. You can see it, P A H H N I. And I have to tell you, it tastes good. It tastes very good. Tastes great, in fact. Made in Hamilton, Ohio, Pawnee uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that many other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water that is also the best-tasting water in the world. Visit their website at pawneewater.com. That is P-A-H-H-N-I water.com. P-A-H-H-N-I water.com to see where you can buy this great-tasting water. Uh... There was there was uh, discussion. See if Pawnee could get into UDF. Be, I know. be a molding. Be some some uh, we call it not symmetry uh, synergy between two of our our sponsors, two of our presenting sponsors. But Bedfred Sportsbook. Thank you to Bedfred Sportsbook for everything they do for us. Uh, Bedfred Pawnee. Gamble with Bedfred. Drink Pawnee water. Get your ice cream from UDF. Get your coffee from UDF. Anybody else? I haven't. Penn Station, but they're not Penn Station. I mean, I mean, we got their stuff here on the, got them on here. the table. So, but yeah, fix your AC with Bartels. <laughs> All that good stuff. All that good stuff. All that good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we have uh, about an hour left in the show. Then we're going to do the box lunch after this show today. Tom, your sounds like your schedule is updated. I don't know if you want to give the people an update. Yeah, on your I am uh, not going to be here tomorrow, Friday, or Monday. Uh, I, I am very sorry about that. I was only going to miss Friday and Monday. Um, we are going to visit my mother-in-law and father-in-law uh, out in uh, Arizona. And, you know, our son has always wanted to go check out the Waste Management Phoenix Open. So we're going to go over there, you know, a couple days, I think Friday and Saturday. And then, uh, you know, see my wife's mom and dad and, uh, and hang out there. And so I apologize. I had a plane. The second time has this happened. I don't know how, how many times this is happening to you guys. I mean, the, the, whole, the whole, you know, airline industry is just a disaster. Transportation secretary has no clue what the hell is going on. 
And um, Mayor Pete. Oh, God, don't even get me started. The guy can't fix a pothole in South Bend, Indiana. But, uh, you know, uh, you know, um, there, you know, we were talking about Southwest Airlines earlier. Brandon and I were. And I was one of, of Southwest Airlines' biggest fans. You know, a lot of people, they call it a cattle call and all that kind of thing. You're lining up and so forth. You know, if you just check in 24 hours before, you're going to get a good seat. It's a nice plane. They're comfortable seats. And they always were on time. Well, now all of a sudden, um, you know, they, they've got this thing where pilots only fly one leg instead of doing a round trip kind of thing. I know there's only so many hours they're allowed to work in a day, and that's understandable. You don't want somebody too tired when they're flying an airplane with 300 passengers on. It's understandable. But now all of a sudden they're having all kinds of issues and, you know, they're, they're having to change flights and you, you, you booked this two months ago and now you find out three days before it's going to be a, a different time or your connection and blah, blah, blah. And so nobody wants to hear my problems, but I'm sure a lot of you uh, are going through uh, the same things right now. Um, so anyway, um, wait, wait, let's let's get some content. Let's get a let's get a video from you that you can just text into Casey and I from from the Waste Management Open. Take a video. Are you going to be at hole 16 or like what's your setup? What well, the setup is we have we have the setup is this. We have just sort of general admission tickets. Uh, for Friday. So, you know, we'll walk around and, you know, whatever it is. Saturday, uh, there's a group out there, and a lot of people may not know this, but uh, in Arizona, it's the same thing for every single spring train, or, or I shouldn't say everyone, for four or five different teams in Arizona. There are these men's groups out there, and, and they've now expanded into women too. But the, but, but the group that physically puts on the Phoenix Open, they do everything from the setup to the skyboxes, to the passes, to, um, you know, the marking balls. And, and, and when you see up the fairways and all this kind of thing is a group called the Phoenix Thunderbirds. They've run this thing all the way back to when it was the Phoenix Open played at the uh, Phoenix Country Club. Then they moved up to the Scottsdale Princess Golf Course and uh, the TPC up there. And, you know, it was built for stadium seating and all this kind of thing, meaning... You know, you can sit down on the grass or put chairs, whatever it might be. Well, then all of a sudden, that 16th hole thing exploded. I was back there in the days when, when I was first hired by the Diamondbacks. Uh, and in 95, 96, 97, all this was just starting to get going. It all started with a bunch of students, basically, from Arizona State. They'd come up there, you know, set up shop, drinking beer all day long, start raising hell, and something that nobody had ever seen in the sport of golf. Where it, it was like a football game, you know, and, and, and I'll never forget. And I had never heard this before. I'm not a big golf guy, but David Duvall at the time is one of the best players in the world. Was it Duvall or Justin Leonard? I, I don't want to throw one of them in front of the bus. It was one or the other. Anyway, they did not like this at all and came out in the paper afterwards during a round that this is out of control and they need to get this harnessed and you know these guys are out you know and it's a young guy and i mean to tell you the next day and i just happened to be there because i wanted to be there i was back behind the tee box at 16 and when he came walking up and i guess i wish it it was either leonard or i think it's justin leonard 
And, and I mean, when he walked to the tee box, you never hear anybody in golf booed. And on the 16th hole, they don't introduce you like they do on the first tee. You know, from Washington, D.C., Paul Fritzner, right? You know, whatever. But everybody knew he was coming. And I mean to tell you, the second he stepped up there, they just booed the snot out of this guy. He goes ballistic about it afterwards again. And then it took him two years to, to finally just realize, hey, even if I disagree with it, don't ever say it again. Just say, oh, it's great. You know, and that's what he did. And, you know, happily ever after. Right. But so to answer your question in a very long winded way, um, Saturday, we are going to be sitting right around the green in a little skybox at the 16th hole. Oh, boy. So, you know, it'll uh, it'll be fun. Take some video. Take some stuff that we can roll on the show. We'll do it on Monday. Okay. Or maybe on Tuesday when you get back. All right. That'll be, I'll, I'll send it to you for sure. Yeah. Or Everybody, Luke, thanks. Luke's, Luke's probably got an eye for that, too. He can, he can take it. Yeah, he can do it. We'll let him do it because he knows how to edit and all that stuff, and you guys won't even have to. Um... I'll, I'll, I'll text Luke and tell him to get, him get us some video, and we can use it on the show on Tuesday. Even if it's just raw footage, it doesn't matter. Just anything. Can you imagine what it would be like? And, and, and this is why, you know, we're never going to have this because of the time of the year and our weather. But, you know, we really dropped the ball in, in, in Cincinnati of not building a retractable dome stadium here. Because we would be in the running. We would, they would find, we would be in the running here. And some would laugh at this. But if Indianapolis can get a Super Bowl, right? Or if, you know, I'm not going to say New York, they played outside. It wasn't a retractable dome. But you don't even put yourself in the conversation by not having one. You don't put yourself in the conversation not having a Final Four, you know, or a, a, a regional, right? We used to have regionals seemingly every year here in Cincinnati when uh, Riverfront Coliseum first opened. Famous Bobby Knight phone slamming the phone down right there at midcourt, all that kind of thing. And now we have no chance. For any of that stuff. Did you see the Twitter? Yes, you tweeted it out. Did you see the Twitter discussion? Yeah, I got in a massive Twitter discussion the other day about it was Riverfront Coliseum. Now, then it was U.S. Bank. Now it's Heritage Bank. There are four very good arenas in Cincinnati right now. There's Truist at NKU. There's Fifth Third at UC. Of course, Cintas that I talk a lot about at Xavier. And then downtown, the worst one, Heritage Bank, which is still the same one from 40, 50 years ago, however long it's been standing there. It has been a crusade of mine, and I have not done actual productive, proactive work to do this, but on social media, I feel like I talk about it a lot, to get a new arena, and I know people will reply to me and say, oh, it's not feasible, or oh, it can't happen for this and this reason. There's no regular tenant, right? They have the Cyclones, but that's not a yeah. major league attendant. I just feel like the maybe it doesn't make financial sense from a, from a perspective of making a ton of profit, but if you're not losing money or not losing a lot of money, it feels to me like it would make sense to have a 30,000 seat modern updated night. Cause you can't renovate heritage bank. You have to build a new one. And, and you don't even need it, you know, that big because, because um, you're not going to get a final four. They've gone to the massive stadiums now for fun, but you could have regionals a for final, sure. A final four, a minimum has to have 70,000 yeah. seats. It yeah. has to be a 70,000 seat venue to, hold, to host a final four. There are also rules and regulations for, you know, how many hotels there are in yep. a city that hosts a regional and all that stuff. Cincinnati would 
be perfect yep. for a reach. Louisville is hosting a regional well, I mean, this it's year. It's not only the, the sporting event stuff. I mean, look, I don't care what side of the political spectrum you fall on. It makes no difference. The bottom line is, is we were in the final running here in Cincinnati three years ago for one of the political conventions. And Cleveland wound up getting it. And we happened to be there. We, the Reds, were up there. Um, while they were getting everything ready to go. It was like four days away. It was really cool because all the, the news stations had built their, you know, the, 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 you know, whether it's CNN or Fox or who it is, they all had built their, their sets around where the Cavaliers play. And the only reason Cleveland got that convention is because we did not have one uh, that could handle it. And again, you know, that was a Republican convention, but I don't care which convention it is. It makes no difference. Um, we're missing out on a lot of big events and a lot of incredible, because our downtown compared, our downtown compared to Cleveland is night and day. Well, that's night the- and day with over the Rhine and all the restaurants. I mean, they, you know, compared to Cincinnati, Cleveland downtown is tired. Yeah, and that's the thing about Cincinnati right now is that if you had an arena that was able to hold, even if it was like 25,000, I I don't think you could go down below 25, but a 25,000 seat arena. And there was a talk about putting it up around where the convention center is because all that convention center area is about to get redone. Yep. It's all going to get redone and and there's going to be more space available because of the uh the the reconstruction or the whatever you want to call it was 75 and going down toward the brent spence bridge so there's going to be a lot more available space down there and jeff birding just announced his plans for a renovated area up around fc cincinnati that they want to try and build like a wrigleyville up around fc cincinnati stadium and all it is right now is just it's an arms race to find more and more entertainment venues and to do what you did at the banks if you look at the pictures from 20 years ago when they they uh got rid of um riverfront stadium and to where it is now with the apartments and the banks and the parking garages and everything else yeah it's a completely different city down there no doubt and i do think that heritage bank arena is in a good spot the problem is if you tore it down you'd then have to wait three four five years however long it takes to rebuild it that's all right it's okay but but i just seems to me like between Cincinnati was awarded the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament. They got it. And the NCAA said, this is yours. You just have to renovate the arena. Didn't get done. They had to withdraw and and give it to another city. Yeah, we spent money on the trolley. Or whatever they call that thing. Street car. You ever ridden it? Yes. You have? The street car. I've never ridden it. A lot of cash there. A lot of cash. Yeah. Yeah. So, Reed I, I, Mouse says Hamilton's downtown should be considered. Middletown, the heart of it all. <laughs> yeah, I, I think a, a 25,000-seat arena probably – do you need that? I think 25 is the right number, but like somebody points out in the chat, maybe 20. Yeah, I mean, um, 20, 22, you know, 25, I mean, you know, all of it, it's fine. I mean, you're going to have concerts down there. Big time bands would start to go back in there again if you redid the joint. You know what I mean? Uh, I still love going down there. I, I mean, I, I, you know, just for nostalgia's sake. And Everett, by the way, Everett, I did not hate on Cleveland. I did not hate on. <laughs> I, I, I've been one of the guys. And Casey, you can back it up. I've been one of the guys that has been a Cleveland defender on this show 
But you can, I, I'm not saying there aren't some joints in Cleveland and whatever that district is. I've been over there where they got all the breweries and that stuff not far from downtown. But, dude, it ain't over the Rhine. I mean, come on. All right? It's not over the Rhine. That's where all you young people hang out. You hang out down there at all? You, you, you got Paseo pops down there because he probably drinks free down there. <laughs> but you, you guys go down there? Uh, I'm more of a Banks guy. I like, going to the I like going down to the banks, and I've been going to the games a lot more as of late, so that's where I've been at. They got some lot. good joints down there, too. Yeah, they do. Good joints. Uh, OTR is more of the, uh, like, the DJs and that kind of, like, the that kind of music. Yeah, but that's that, your crowd. Kind of, uh, I like the live music. I like going down to the banks. Okay. I like the live music. But, yeah, I mean, I... You like I, that boom, 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 you know, that stuff? The what? You know, that, 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 like, you know, it never ends where you go somewhere, like, you know, that retro, you know. The what kind of music? The you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I did that off camera, if you notice, so you couldn't put that on later uh, with me doing it. He caught me. <laughs> See? I tried. Born at night, not last night. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I went to, uh, I, I, I like going down to the banks the banks is a lot of fun tin roof always has great bands down there um casey you were just down there yeah i was just down there this weekend it was a lot of fun yeah i go down there a lot i enjoy it the banks tin roof holy grail all that stuff trying it's, to flip through some of our reactions to all this okay yeah street car defenders street car okay Okay. All right, fellas, um, since we were on the, um, I want to ask you guys, because you're in that generation, Paul, you follow basketball. Casey, are you much of a basketball guy? I mean, you can talk about the NBA. Have you followed it pretty much your whole life? Have you followed the NBA? NBA, I was really big into it when I was younger. I really loved the heat back in the day. I used to really love LeBron and Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade. Um but I, I've since since then have fallen out of love, and now that sports gambling's back, I've been getting way more into it. Um, it's kind of reignited a little bit of the love, but it, it's got a different back to it, I guess, okay. than it was before. But yeah, I, I've really started to really get back in the NBA here as of late and figure out the players, the teams. Um, what to expect here in this season. So, All right, neither one of you, correct me if I'm wrong, is, is it fair to say that neither one of you are old enough to really remember, really remember Michael Jordan? Well, no. I, I caught him in his prime at, uh, at, with the Wizards. <laughs> okay. All right. But you know what I'm saying here, yes. right? Okay. All right. Uh, so it would be unfair to ask either one of you but, but, but let me ask you this question, since you have been following basketball for a long, long time. Would LeBron James, uh, of the guys that you've watched and grown up with, okay, over, yep. you know, let's say 20 years, right, yeah. of following basketball, would he be unquestionably your number one pick in a draft from all those players over the last 20? Oh, over the last 20? Um, I mean, this is including, like, Shaq and Kobe, right, last yeah. 20? Yep. LeBron? LeBron, Kobe, or Shaq, those are probably my top three that were within our lifetime. Oh, my God. Yeah, give me LeBron. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess I would – 
Oh. Yeah, because because you can't Shaq and and Kobe, I feel like are 2 and 3 and are interchangeable, but LeBron has to be number 1. I don't get the hate that I see Shaq getting sometimes on social media. Why, where, where does he get? Playing. Where does he get hate? hate I don't for know. What? Maybe, maybe because how do you not love that dude? Yeah, I don't know. I don't I mean, know. How do you not love of all the guys that are athletes out there, right? Former athletes, whatever. I mean, everybody, every sport. How in the world do you not love Shaquille O'Neal? Well, I don't. The dude is awesome. I meant more like his playing, not his like personality. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I'm right. talking more okay. about his his on the court with him and Kobe and people talking about did, what was their dynamic like. I don't know. Wasn't I, it just like a big like free throw thing like he just couldn't make his free throws or something like that something stupid uh, that's what people I, I just with. don't understand it I don't I don't know but there's not like a huge groundswell of it there's just some people I've seen frustrated with Shaq, but Shaq was amazing imagine being that tall that big and being able to play basketball that well it was so good he, he was he was he was just a monster I mean god monster I, yeah I mean everybody's game has some deficiency in it and his clearly was you know uh, when he went to the free throw line and all that kind of thing. You know, another guy that you guys might be old enough who rarely gets brought up in this conversation, and I'm not saying that he is in the top five, although, I, you know, you start just going by stats, and what a phenomenal player the mailman was, Carl Malone. I was looking at a lot of stats today, digging around NBA all time, right? Yeah. And that's where, you know, I, I realized that, um, when you start looking at where some of these guys are in points, assists, you know, rebounds, um, uh, and, and, and some other uh, categories. They have all of them listed. You can find it anywhere. But, you know, Carl Malone's name shows up a lot. Now, he played a long time. But when you're looking at points and you're looking at rebounds and guys like, I mean, he, pretty amazing. I did not realize how many more games and it shouldn't have been a surprise because Jordan went to college for three years and LeBron walked out of high school right into the NBA. But I did not realize that LeBron had played in well over 400 more games than Michael Jordan. Yeah. I think they're the same age when Jordan retired, you know, that kind of thing. And you might think, well, well he did it when he was 38 and he did it, you know, he was out 38. That's true. But, but the number of games because of LeBron going from St. Vincent, St. Mary High School right into the, to the NBA uh, to the Cavaliers was a whole different ballgame. Do you look at a guy different? You mentioned Jordan at the end with the Wizards. He, he was a bull. He was a bull. He was a bull. Um, I think you can make very strong arguments for two teams for sure. Don't think so much Miami. But you can make arguments for sure. Uh, 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 what is LeBron? He a Cavalier? Is he a Heat? Is he a Laker? If he went in the Hall of Fame tomorrow, and you have to pick a team that you go in, kind of with baseball, right? They, they're yeah. going to do your hat with the logo on it on your, on your, your bust, right? In there on the Hall of Fame plaque. What does LeBron James go in as? I'd say probably the Cavs because of that 2016 title, but he won more with the Heat. I don't think – I think the Lakers would be the last on the list. Okay. Unless he wins, say, another one with L.A., then they're in the discussion. But I, I don't think that LeBron is going to want to go in as a Laker. Just – maybe he does – maybe knowing LeBron – well, not personally, but maybe knowing like – You don't know him personally? <laughs> maybe following LeBron. <laughs> I, I wish. <laughs> 
I wish. Uh, maybe following LeBron. I don't know if he, he... I feel like he would either have a strong opinion of wanting to go in as a Laker or saying, no, 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 that's, that's yeah. Kobe. Because he, he and Kobe were very close, very good friends. I feel like LeBron would either want to go in as a Laker and want to be part of that tradition or he wouldn't want that at all and he'd want to go back to the to the Cleveland Ohio I, I gotta believe it's Cleveland right yeah I think it's Cleveland too um that's where he spent most of his career and I think that's uh kind of that's how I remember him going from Cleveland or like just just his story from the Cleveland to the heat back to Cleveland that amazing championship run he had with Cleveland, I think that is what I remember him most for, in my opinion, is just the run that he had in Cleveland in 2016. 2016. I mean, yeah. that was just one of an all-time great moments. Um, and, you know, I, I was just looking at this earlier because um, I was trying to think, is there anyone else, right, that was in the NBA in our lifetime that would even be close to this conversation and I don't think there is. It's literally just Kobe and, and LeBron, yeah. at least in our lifetime. And it's not even close. I mean, it's it's really incredible um, the type of career that he's had. And he's been able to do it with multiple different teams. And I would never – I think you make a great point there, Casey, because I would never, ever – hold it against somebody for going to different teams. No. Never. And I know that there is something special when you look at a guy like Derek Jeter or some of these players that only played for one team and they can say, hey, I was part of this franchise for my entire career. But there is nothing that I would hold against anybody for going to play. And you know what I get so tired of? I get sick of these people that say, oh, he went so he went some, he went to the Heat to play with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. So what? They so what? They he weren't went, champions then. They were. They won multiple championships, which isn't everybody's goal in life as an athlete to win a title. Well, why wouldn't you make it easier on yourself to win a title by getting the best possible players available and, to win that championship? He I don't did say it. he did say he regretted the way he left Cleveland the first time. Oh, that was bad. That was bad. That's when he went to Miami. The decision. No, well, I, I think he regrets more so the ESPN special. and. The, yeah, that's what the, I'm saying. He regrets the oh, way okay, that yeah, whole yeah. thing was handled. Yeah. Maybe not necessarily the decision to leave, but the way it was handled, right? Yeah. 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 And, I mean, to defend your point, they weren't championship. They, weren't, they, they didn't win a championship before LeBron got there. When LeBron got there, they won a championship. Like I to me that's well, such a D dumb. Dwayne Wade did one, did win one with Shaq in 2006. Yeah, that yeah, was like yes, you're right. Like yeah. six five, years, yeah. five, five, six, six years, years later. Yep. So yep. I, to me, it's just like, and like going back to Cleveland and winning one. Like, are you gonna really fault him or like blame him for going back when? I mean, I don't even know. Was Kyrie around yep, at yep. that time? Kyrie Irving back? was there, yeah, and they right. had Kevin, Kevin Love, Love really who was well. just emerging as a player. And I mean, yeah, that was a heck of a team. They were down 3-1 to one in yeah. that series against Golden State. Dream on. Won Take three in a row. Yeah. Get on. And, and really, Kyrie was a man in that series. I mean, he was the MVP of the series, if I remember right. Yeah. I'm old. Kyrie hit the, hit the series-winning shot. Now LeBron had the series-clinching block as well. Yeah, I mean, but, Kyrie but I, I just uh, this this whole this whole argument of and I'm sure I mean I haven't really been reading the chat too much, but I'm sure I'm gonna 
probably see a back and forth. Some people agree, some people won't. But I get, I just get so sick and tired of the of the argument about all these talented guys playing together. Like, what are you supposed to do? Go win it on your own? Like, I've ne I've never understood the yeah, argument. Like LeBron tried that for however many years he was originally in Cleveland. If you go back and you look at the 2007, I think NBA Finals. Look at the cast of clowns that was on the team around LeBron James that he took. Now, they got swept by the Spurs, but look at the cast of clowns that was on that team that he literally carried on his back to the NBA Finals. And you don't think that he can go and get some help somewhere and go win a title? I mean, good Lord, come on. You want to play with the best? Yeah, I Go mean win it. I mean, there's a reason why people, when they say Michael Jordan, they also bring up Scottie Pippen. I mean, yeah. I mean, there, there's a reason. Like, you can't always <laughs> you do it by yourself. You can't just you can't win a title with nobody, unless he. I, I'm trying. It's just I could go on about it for a while, but I, I, I. He played seven seasons in Cleveland before he left to go to Miami. He goes there and in his second year. Um, they win the uh, they win the championship, and then won it again, right? Yeah, back to back. Yeah. Then he leaves uh, after one more season, four in Miami, comes back to Cleveland, second year there, wins the championship, spends four more years there, and now he's been a Laker. This is his what one, two, three, four, fifth year as a Laker. Yeah. My so the this cat is, is still averaging last year. Last year, thirty-seven years old. He averaged last year thirty points per game it's still very impressive 30 average what is he right now isn't he doing a little better this year he's having a the thing with lebron is he's gonna play he's gonna try his best to get Bronny in the league and i'm not sure Bronny is an nba talent if you actually go well he's gonna go to college he's gonna go to college he's already whittled it down you know where he was going you know where he's going oh where's he going he's going to the buckeyes you know that I just needed to hear you That's say That's all LeBron wanted. Wanted to play for the mighty Buckeyes. But the cash was calling. The cash ain't calling, Bronny. Not like it is a dad. And you know that's where he's going. Do you see those headphones he bought for all the guys on the football team for the championship, I mean, for, the, for the making a college football playoff? No. You didn't see those things? No. He bought the entire team and staff. These, these headphones, right? Yeah. And, 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 and on the sides... It's the Ohio State helmet. Oh. I mean, it's big lit. <laughs> Bronny. Chris Holtman. Keep him around. Uh, Get Bronny. Might have to save his job. Speaking of the next Bronny, the next LeBron, who, who in the NBA right now is even close to Nobody. being that? I don't think Nobody. there is anyone. Like, we have a well, Giannis. Wait, wait we have a, a Doncic. Luka Doncic. I mean, what this guy's doing is insane. He's very good. I don't know as incredible a career as LeBron has had. I don't know if anybody is doing stuff night in and night out for I don't know how long, like this cat's doing. Right, this guy's insane. You're and telling talk me. Talk smack. You're telling you know, me. He I gives love it to everybody. I mean, I love watching that guy play. That's a gamer. I love <laughs> I'm so glad you said that because I love Luca. I, I know love you. Him. How do you not love the guy? Hits it from downtown, takes it to the rack, right? Wants a big shot. Tonight, yeah. tonight he plays with Kyrie. Kyrie. Yeah. For the first time. 
Yeah, that's the big game. That's the one I'm looking forward to the most. I'm going to probably come up with some, a couple different props. and, a, and a, How could I not pick the Mavericks to at least cover? I'm going to check out and see what they're at right now. The crazy thing about Luka, too, is it's underrated how tall he is. He's huge. Yeah, he's a big boy. He is a big guy. And the way he's able to go out there and navigate with his body and shoot the way he does, he is an incredible, incredible talent. And uh, he's so fun to watch, like you said. He's great. He's made the Mavericks as good as they are right now. And uh, His last three seasons, he is averaging 35 a game. Luca, 35 a night. The Mavericks are... I mean, it's just... it's, And he's playing 36 minutes per game. Yeah. The Mavs are underdogs by eight points against the Clippers. That's going to be a really tough match. I don't know how Kyrie's going to do the first game there. I don't know if he's going to play the full game or not. I don't know how the NBA quite works when you get traded. Do you play right away? Or is there an adjustment period? Is there anything like that? Don't know. Believe but, me, he's sprinting out the door to get out of Jersey to go to Dallas. Oh, I'm sure he is. Believe me. But, but it's going to take him a while to get through TSA and Newark. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I'm probably going to take – I'm going to have to do a little bit more research. But my heart is telling me to take the Mavs plus eight. That, that seems kind of like a – Wait, pl- the Mavs are plus yep, eight? Yeah, they're plus eight against the Clippers. Is Luka playing? Uh that's why I got to do some research and find out. Now, wouldn't that be something if Luka couldn't play Kyrie's first match? Well, Kyrie would just sit out. You're right. He would just sit out and wait. <laughs> Le- I think the, the, the thing to finish up here with LeBron, Tom, is that LeBron, how many years ago, people forget, lost to Roger Bacon. <laughs> LeBron goes out there and gets that article written about him in Sports Illustrated. He's the chosen one. And he's put on this pedestal from a very young age. Yep. And people very clearly are identifying him as somebody that could be the next Michael Jordan. And all he has done is go out there night in and night out, score, assist, steal, block, win, and win titles. Yep. He's never once gotten arrested. He's never had any off-the-court issues. I mean, he's made some comments that maybe have gotten him in trouble with, with, you know, public opinion. But he has never actually gotten in trouble. He's never gotten in legal trouble. He's never once been problematic or been an issue. He has just been... And really, if you watch his videos, like with his sons and his family, he's kind of a goofy dude. I don't know how much you've seen of his off-the-court stuff, like with his with Bronny or, or with his, I forget what his other son's name is, but when they're just hanging out in the house or when he's cooking dinner or doing that, LeBron's kind of a goofy dude. Yeah. And I think he's just a good-natured guy who has never gotten in trouble and has been an incredible ambassador for the sport of basketball forever as somebody that has lived up to the expectations, had a family, has performed at the absolute pinnacle of his sport for two decades and is 37, 38 years old and is showing no signs of None. retiring. None. I'm not saying he's slowing down. He is slowing down. But it's just incredible. It's incredible. 
Yeah, just, it, it really is. I'm just hoping that we can see it all come together one last time. Because then that will really solidify the, the art, like, the GOAT argument. If you can put it together for one more season in the next couple years with AD, maybe they get rid of Russell Westbrook. I mean, he played pretty well last night, but he's so inconsistent. They could just get one more guy. Here, here's, the, here's my question for both of you. If you are a prospective team, so Bronny right now is a senior in high school. He'll go to what we're assuming is Ohio State next year. Hasn't announced his decision yet, but Bronny will play college basketball next year, right? He's a senior this That's year. That's right. So he, he will play college basketball next year. And then after that, for the 24-25 season, he'll potentially, if he's good enough, would play in the NBA. I think he... He may need a second year in college. Oh, I would think, for I sure. I think, yeah. if, if, if not. Yeah. LeBron's got to hang on here. LeBron's got to hang on. He's got to do his load management. He's got to hang on for a couple years. But if you're a prospective team, say two, three years down the line, and you're looking late first round, early second round, if Bronny can play his way even into that position, because right. I'm not sure right now he can, but if he if he can get him get himself in that position, LeBron has made it very clear that he wants to go play wherever Bronny is. Like his goal right now, LeBron's goal outside of winning a championship is to play with Bronny. You have to be chomping at the bit if you're a team that's in position to to draft Bron to draft Bronny. You're gonna get LeBron. It's like a two for one package. Do you do you get do you draft him early just because of that? I you uh, know I wonder. No. I no, mean, I know no, you shouldn't. No. I know you shouldn't. But do no. does someone pull the trigger? Do you on pull the trigger? Like Unless the trigger? you're only in it for the money. If you're that's, only in it for the cash, then then you know. That's but no, no, no. It, if I want the guy, and I think he's going to help my team, because you're drafting a if he plays two years of college, you're drafting a 20 year old kid, right? First, second round. Now, third, fourth round. How, how many drafts do they have now? Two? Two. two, two, two rounds. All right. Well, then you sign him as a free agent. If he doesn't get drafted in the top two rounds. Yeah. And, and somebody will pay him a lot of money more than probably any other player in the history of the league is a free agent player to sign a contract, right? Yeah. Because you're knowing that, that, that you might, real good chance, you might have a chance to get his dad on a one-year deal. Yeah. yeah. Package yeah. deal. But not draft. Not draft. Not draft. Unless he's a stud. Which he might end up being. All right. Um... I think Tom's basketball knowledge mixed with Bronny and LeBron would be a powerhouse of a basketball team. Thank you, my friend. No question. Championships. I'd coach him up. Coach him up. I could, get get him to, I could get him to play, improve a few different aspects of his game. Go to Charlotte. <laughs> go, uh-huh. get the Hornets. go get the Hornets a championship in Charlotte. Jordan! Now there's a leader of men as a player. All right, um... All right, let's get to college basketball here for a minute, and then we're gonna get we'll finish up with the Reds a little bit here sure. today, okay? Because we okay. have thirty minutes left. Okay, you have two conferences today. Yes. So, uh, do we want to do the Big Ten and the Big Twelve today? Let's do the Big Ten. Those are two big ones. Big, two big ones. Do you want to do just one today? Since let's we do one today, and then okay. we'll do. Yeah, that's a good idea. Let, let's do the Big Ten today. Do the Big Ten, where I said yesterday, and I look at a team like Rutgers. I watched them play last night. I've watched them play a few times this year. They're ranked 24th, whatever it is. Nobody can tell me, nobody can tell me that on a neutral floor, teams like Rutgers, Iowa, some of these other teams, 
can't play with anybody out there. Yeah, Rutgers defense will keep a minute. So right now I see the, the Big Ten, um, you're talking about a conference that's probably going to get seven teams in. I would say, let me pull up my notes here on the All Big right, Ten. All right, let's pull these um, up here real quick. I, I would say that the Big Ten is looking at getting um, probably somewhere in the range of Purdue, Rutgers, Indiana. All right, hold on a second. We're going to go through where they stand now. Okay. All right, so you got Purdue in first place three-game lead. They've only lost two games all year. Okay, they got a, a three-game lead over Indiana and Rutgers. You said that those two teams are definitely in. Then yes. you have four teams at seven and five in the conference. You have Iowa. You have Michigan. You have Northwestern. Been a big surprise. And Illinois, which has been a big disappointment. Then you have Michigan State and Maryland. Michigan State got a big win last night. And then you have Wisconsin. I think that's where we kind of cut it off, probably, right? For even being in a conversation, or do you you don't put anybody else in there, do you? Uh, no, I wouldn't. I don't think Northwestern or Wisconsin. I think Northwestern of the teams you mentioned is in the best position to potentially make the tournament. Wisconsin is not going to make the tournament. Um, they they took too many losses. Uh, they're just stacking losses. They don't have a bad loss, which does help them. Um, so maybe if they picked up a few good wins here down the stretch, that could really help them out. But right now, Wisconsin is 77th in the net, and that's just not good enough. That's not going to cut it. There's four teams, three, four teams ahead of them, um, in my opinion. Penn State's also kind of played their way out of position yep. again. The thing about these teams in the Big Ten, though, is that outside of, outside of uh, Michigan, these teams that are on the cut line – don't have a bad loss. Ohio State does have a quad four loss, but well, they're out. Ohio, Ohio State's, State's not going to make it. They're they're out. Ohio State is, is very much trending in the wrong direction right now. They are looking like they are not going to make the tournament. They're under five hundred. They have nine losses in quad one, though. I just they have two losses in the bottom two quads. I don't think Ohio State's going to make it. Um, Michigan State. All right, let me ask you. I'm going to go team by team. We went through the first three. Iowa in or out? I think they get in. They're in. I think they get in. They do have a quad four loss. They also have a quad three loss, but I think they get in. They're playing better lately. They just beat Rutgers in Illinois. They're on a three-game winning streak right now. They've won seven of their last nine games. I think Rutgers – or, uh, sorry, I think that uh, Iowa gets in. Michigan. Negative. I, I don't think Michigan gets in, no. Northwestern. Uh, I will say that Northwestern doesn't get in, but they are in position to play their way in, and they have wins left on their schedule to do that. They have – six quad one games left the rest of the season. So they could easily win three of those and get in. The fighting Illini. They're in. Yeah, they're in. But Michigan State, they're in. They're Come on, they've got some big wins this year. They, they're they in. I would put them on like the eight or nine line right now. Yeah, yeah. Probably on the nine line. But yes, I think Michigan State's in. So if I hear you right, as of today, and this is subject to change, as we pointed out many times. You're saying Purdue 1, Indiana 2, Rutgers 3. You said yes on Iowa 4. Yeah. Uh, you said yes on Illinois 5. You said, um, was it a yes or a no on Michigan State? I think they get in. 6, yep. yes or a no on Maryland? No, not right now. But they could get in. All right, so you're saying 6 teams. I, I think 6 from the Big Ten, I think. But it could be more. Yeah, Maryland, the thing that Maryland has going for them right now, which is why they're probably going to get in if they can keep winning games, is they have a really, really good net. 
ranking and they don't have any bad losses. They just have a lot of losses, but they don't have any bad losses. So I, I would say right now, I think Maryland is at least in the conversation to be in. Um, I think they're probably right there with Michigan State on that eight or nine line. So they, I would say I would have Maryland in right now. Okay. Yeah. I, I think the Big Ten, when you argue about the Big Ten, the top of the Big Ten right now, Purdue and Indiana, are playing extremely well. That Purdue-Indiana game over the weekend was a lot of fun. Indiana is playing without their point guard, and they're playing exceptionally well right now. That was an Indiana team that was favored, I think, by four and a half last night against Rutgers, and they cleared that. Um, Rutgers, I don't buy Rutgers as much as other people do just because they are so incredibly reliant on their defense, and I think that that can come back to bite you when you have a uh, when you have a team that's currently Rutgers is 123rd in the country in offensive efficiency. They're second defensively, but 123rd offensively. That's just not going to get it done. You know the, the team, and we're going to get into the Big 12 tomorrow. And I and I, I talked about them a lot during football. But the the team that I just find so interesting, and we'll talk about the Big 12 as I mentioned next week, is TCU. They've been out without their best player in Mike Miles for now uh, three games. He has not played since January. And, and just incidentally, leading up to his injury against Mississippi State, they blew Kansas State out of the gym. They went to Lawrence and beat the Jayhawks in Lawrence, 83-60. to They annihilated Oklahoma. And then the game they lost is when he got hurt, and they're, and they're taking some lumps here. Uh, and, and I believe lost again last night to Kansas State at Kansas State. Yeah, that was by like 21. But that, that is a team I would watch in the NCAA tournament. TCU? No doubt if, about it. If they're healthy. If they're healthy. If they're healthy. they yes. have got a good team. If they're There's healthy. There's an athletic program that is pouring money, a university, into athletics. You see it firsthand. It's insane the amount of money they're spending on sports. It's because they have a guy from Ohio that's a chancellor, the president. Cleveland guy. Cleveland guy. He gets it. Grew up. Gets it. Buckeye. Football. All of it. He gets it. So, just to add on to that Big Ten conversation, I was just looking at the schedules for the, ma the remaining of the teams. Um, Illinois and Iowa both have the hardest path to getting into the tournament currently, as I see it. Right? They've got to both play Purdue, I believe, Northwestern, Michigan State, and Indiana for Iowa. And Illinois is also got to play Rutgers, Indiana, Northwestern, Purdue, Michigan. Uh, of the Big Ten teams outside of those two, the team that I think has far and away the most difficult schedule is Northwestern because they had a COVID pause on their season. Ooh. So they have to now make up all these games that, they're, that they got, uh, they got postponed. And Northwestern, if you look at their schedule the rest of the way, Casey, look at this schedule that Northwestern has to play down the stretch. Look at what they have yeah, to Purdue, do. Purdue, Indiana, Iowa, Illinois, Maryland – Rutgers, oof. yeah, and you're they talking play about, Iowa and Wisconsin again, and Iowa and Ohio State too. You're talking about probably playing a tournament team every game the rest of the way yep. in the regular season. Northwestern's got their, they have their uh, work cut out for them. We have a new uh, member to the chat here watching from Arizona today. Manitas de Piedra. So very nice to have you here. And uh, Manitas has been welcomed in by all the regulars. All sure. of the regulars. Good. All right. 
All right, I want to ask you guys a little bit about the Reds. Now, Casey, you are going to, but before we get into this, yeah. and you stated this when we came on the air at the very end of uh, August, beginning of September, uh, the baseball season was still going on, and you had said how you've never really been a big baseball guy. Everybody has whatever it is. You watch football, you watch basketball, you like the FC, you know, the, all that thing. All right. Um, for this upcoming baseball season, are you like committed to becoming like more of a baseball fan, or you you know you really just don't even want to watch it? I mean, no, nobody's no. nobody's I'm, judging here. I am going to be committed to watching baseball. Um, the thing is, the sports betting is going to definitely help in that department. Um, also, the fact that I mean, I don't know what the accessibility is going to be like here for for baseball because I don't know what. Bally, does Bally Sports still have the rights for a couple of years? Yeah, what, well, what yeah the they've got the rights. Um, you know, that um, I got some inside information on that whole thing the other day. And, I mean, these teams are holding their breath. They don't know if they're going to find out on April 1st, on May 1st, on June 1st, July 1st, oh, man. That, the, that the money, they, they turn off the spigot. Yeah, and so I mean, is that a thing? It could just go, just be off the air. Goodbye, goodbye. Oh boy, I mean that would goodbye. derail a lot of things. Chatterbox Sports Production. We could sign a deal with them. We can get in some. Look, we got a few deals. cameras. Yeah, we got some cameras right there. Yeah. Okay, we got a lot of cameras. We do some big league football around here. Yeah, we do big league football. So go ahead. Anyway, so you're committed. But, yeah, I'm. I'm committed to it. Um, I will say that I, I will definitely not be watching every game. Um, that, is, that is too much for me, too much for my blood. But I will have it on every once in a while and be watching the Reds. I will know what happens every game. I'll be checking box scores, getting checked in, making sure that nothing crazy happened that game. Um, and get the, the gist of what's going on okay. with the Reds this okay. season. Okay, well, that's good. That's good. And, Paul, I know you'll be totally be, dialed in. I'll be tuned in. Okay. So, look, uh, everyone knows the state of the Reds, and I, and I would make an argument that the same holds true, not in every single way and varying degrees of young players and minor league players and minor league systems and all this kind of thing. You know, I found it interesting, and, Paul, you know, you made the comment to me um, – you know, the, the, the Reds in virtually every publication that's come out, they have had, you know, top eight, nine farm system. Yeah. Right. And then when Keith Law came out with his and a lot of people feel like he knows more about this than anybody. I think he had him 13th or something like that. But they were behind every team in their division. So, again, I don't know. There is no exact science. I have said for years. And I remember I've told this story before. You know, when guys are either on the injured list or whatever they call it now. Is that what they call it now in baseball? It used to be the disabled list, and injured they change list. it to injured list. Okay. When guys are on the, the, the injured list and they're going down for rehab, right? And Bob Brenly, Kashokton, Ohio native, major league player, catcher, all-star with the Giants, won a World Series as a manager with the Diamondbacks in 01. He would get asked all the time, you know, and he didn't mean this, you know, literally, figuratively. 
But when they'd ask about these guys in the minor leagues, these ballyhooed prospects by some of the members of the press or guys in other towns that would ask about some kid who, you know, or, or a player on his team, a big league player who, who, who's down there for two months rehabbing some, you know, hip injury. He'd say, those guys are dead guys to me. They're not doing anything for my team now. So I want to talk about the team now. We mentioned, you heard my dad say it a little while ago, Paul. You know, last year, 3-21. and 21. And the question becomes, will there be anybody at that ballpark if they don't get off at least to a... I mean, look, I think we all would feel like a good start for this team after a month would be two, three games under 500. That would probably be a very good start. Be a great start if you're three or four over, right? Or more. But I think after a month of the season, when you look at their lineup... It's a young, very talented starting rotation. Bullpen's going to be better. But they need to have a decent start, if for no other reason, to keep morale in the town from disintegrating, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. If, if, the, if this Reds team this year starts, like you said, like 3-21, and because remember, we talked about it the other day. After the Reds started 3-21 and last year, they really didn't play all that badly the rest no, of the No, they season. did not. Well, until the end, let, 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 hold on now. They, they went through about a, about a uh, two-and-a-half, three-month period where you're, you're spot on. But, man, that last two months. Yeah. I mean, they were brutal. Yeah. So now, they traded away some guys that were decent players, right? You know. But, anyway, please, go ahead. No, I, I just think that the way the Reds played in that middle juncture of the season last year was a – a critical part to me to point back to and look at to say that, hey, maybe things won't be all that bad this year because you can at least point to some positivity, but you just can't, you can't start five and 15, three and 21, two and nine. You just, you, yeah. how about you're, you're 18 and 22 after 40 games? You're a quarter of the way into the season. You're 18 and 22. I sick. There's a Zach Brown concert at Great American Ballpark on June 2nd. Zach Brown. Yes. First time he's named on the program. Welcome, Zach Brown. Zach Brown. There's a Zach Brown concert. He's Zach a big leaguer. Love Zach Brown. Big band. leaguer. Love Zach Brown band. He's at Great American Ballpark on June 2nd, Casey, the night before your wedding. Yep. I will be at wow. that. Wow. I will be at that concert. I would love for the Reds at that point in the season to still be at least – I'm not going to say that they're going to be in some kind of postseason conversation. But how about that night when it's a beautiful Friday night in June, hopefully, and you got 30,000 people there because of a postgame. 30,000. Oh, okay. Like because of the postgame concert. Okay. It's a full concert. It's not okay. just like one of those postgame I thought things. the Bengals were playing at Great yeah. America. Go yeah. ahead. Forgive me. You had 30,000 people there for a concert. That there's a good product on the field. Maybe. Respectable. Maybe not even good. Respectable. Something. I don't think it's that crazy. I think. I mean, it's what a real. What leads you to, in all seriousness, and I'm, and I'm not sitting here saying that you won't prove to be right, because you might. I mean, you know baseball. You love baseball. You follow baseball. You're an educated baseball guy. But what makes you believe? <laughs> Nothing. I mean, I'm serious. <laughs> 
No, no, no. I'm not going to say nothing because this starting rotation gives you hope. Yeah. It definitely – and look, that's all fans want. They want hope, right? Hope that you can, yeah, win the World Series. But for this year's team, it's not built to win the World Series. But you hope – and this is where – and we're going to talk a lot about this. This is going to be a really interesting year because I I lose my mind, lose my mind over this stuff about you know, number of pitches for young pitchers and innings and all this kind of But look, it's the fabric of baseball. It's built into every organization now, so that's just the way it is. Okay? Lodolo missed a lot of time last year, which means... Most teams have this sort of, you know, and where it came from, I don't know. But they have this sort of, you know, stairwell-like um, theory where, okay, if a guy threw 100 innings this year at the big league level or combined minor league, major league, we're only allow him to throw 20%, something like that, more the following year. And maybe 30% more of that the following year if you hit those numbers. So as good as a rotation has a chance to be this year, Ashcraft missed a ton of time. Ton. Ton. Hunter Green missed some time. So the rotation, which gives you hope, there is no doubt in my mind that you are going to see these young Reds pitchers in games where they're pitching really, really well through five innings of a game, and all of a sudden they're coming out. And then what happens? Yeah, tough to see T.J. Antone get hurt yesterday, too. Yeah, I mean, it, poor. I mean, God, what an arm. Yeah. What an arm. feel terrible for that guy. But can you ride Nick Lodolo, Hunter Green? Can you get good innings out of them? Can you start 18 and 22? Yeah, I mean, I, to add to this conversation, I was going to follow the Reds. And then you're already they, out before the season starts. Yeah, I was out before the I was out before they made it past like Oh, you mean last year. Last year. Last year, okay, last year when I started watching them, I mean I, I was in the newsroom, I was hearing about updates all the time and one of the directors, um, huge Reds fan. Huge Reds fan and was begging me to watch them before the start of the season and then they went three and twenty one. I'm like, That's, it's I'm over watch uh, yeah, it's over already before it even began. So I really hope. Atlanta. I really hope that they. Uh, <laughs> I really hope that they start off strong here, or at least at least not as miserable as they did last year. Three and twenty-one is just unacceptable. I'm checking something out here real quick. I want to take a look at, you know, it, it, that whole baseball season this year is going to be really interesting because of um, because of the way they're doing the schedule. Yeah. You know, you're not going to have as many divisional games. Um, as you know as you will um as you used to and now you're playing every team in major league baseball at least one series so opening day is on a thursday against the pirates 50 days all right so you got you got the pirates you got the cubs you got the phillies defending national league champs you've got atlanta you got the phillies again for a four game series they play the Phillies seven times in the first 18 games. Then you've got the Tampa Bay Rays. 
Pirates, Texas Rangers, and the Stinking Athletics. All of those teams the first month of the season. You know, it's not that bad outside of the games against Philly. It's not that Atlanta's solid. No question. But, I mean, you know, Athletics, Rangers, right? Cubbies. Eh, I don't know about the Cubbies. Reed Mouse, you know, he, he's already, you know, buying his World Series tickets for the Cubs, uh, being a big fan of theirs. Pirates, a couple of series. I mean, they're basically the same thing you are, right? So what are you saying, Paul? You're silent over there. You, you don't like the sound of that schedule? No, I... You don't like that. Yeah, I think what's, you didn't like the sound of that. I think what's settling in is now thinking to myself, oh, man, if, if, they, if they can figure out a way to start 18 and 22 or whatever, they've got to be able to do that, right? They got the battling Yankees coming to town in May. Their signs all over town with Aaron Judge on them. Have you seen those? No, I haven't. Billboards all over town. Aaron Judge rolling into town. They'll play the Red Sox, play the Dodgers at home. That'll be nice. Looking at some of these teams they're playing that they normally don't. The Astros. Oh, that's a bummer that uh, the Astros is down there. It's been nice to have them up here with Dusty coming into town. Get them in studio. You think? I would say the chances of that are slim. And what's the old saying about slim? He just rode out of town. Ever met the Chance Brothers? No. Who are they? Fat and slim. (laughs) I like that. That's really good. Uh, You know, uh, they got the Mets a couple of times anyway. So, you know, it's it's interesting. You're playing everybody. It's going to be the new rules kick into effect. I saw where the WBC, which Paul's the only guy on the planet, outside of some people in uh, maybe the Dominican. Reed is. Reed's watching. Okay, you and Reed. Yeah. Outside of uh, dozens in the Dominican Republic, outside of uh, many in Puerto Rico, uh, outside of many in um, maybe where else? Venezuela. Um, Be the only ones watching the World Baseball Classic. But they announced yesterday they are not going to play by the new rules uh, that will be uh, in play once a major league season begins. Specifically, no pitch clock. Love the pitch clock. Casey, what do you think about a pitch clock? I mean, isn't that supposed to help speed up the game? That's the goal. I mean, I, I guess that would make it better. I mean, there's more room for error than if you're speeding up the game, too. That means there's going to probably be more hitting. Well, they're getting rid of the shift. Yeah. Right? So, no more of this nonsense where teams are moving three infielders on the right side for a left-handed batter and, you know, three on the left side, right-handed batter, or whatever the numbers prove. And uh, they made the bases bigger, which they believe will entice teams to run more frequently because baseball used used to be a game with a lot of contact, a lot of singles, now it's seemingly, uh, you know, every trip to the plate is a walk, a home run, or a strikeout. Um, the running game has become basically extinct outside of a team here or a team there. And so all these rule changes, it's going to be fascinating to watch to see 
if Paul, they make a difference in the game. And if you look in the minor leagues, working in the minor leagues, I, I followed this for a while with the changes because it affected us. Sure. The pitch clock was incredible. It was incredible what the pitch clock did because it cut down on the time. And a lot of the players complained about the pitch clock in the very beginning because it was an adjustment. And I get that. A lot of the pitchers were very adamant against the pitch clock in the beginning because it was uh, an adjustment to what they had been taught and learned and practiced their entire life. Once they kind of got used to it, what were you going to say, Casey? I was just going to ask what a violation of the pitch clock does. Is it a... I think it's, it... a, it's a ball. I think it's just a ball, right? Okay. I think. I think it's just a ball. I don't, I don't remember. I think it was just a ball. Yeah. Um, they... Uh, it, because it was a strike if the batters didn't get back in the box. I think that's what it was. I'd have to go back and check for sure. It's a couple of years ago. Um, they... Uh, it just it sped up the game so much and if you looked at the stats the hitting stats really weren't all that different they really weren't the only difference was that the games were on average 15 20 25 minutes shorter and all they did was cut out the useless time in a game all they did was cut out the walking around the mound or the wiping your hat or switching your gloves or doing whatever that's all they did wow I mean, then I, as much as I love speeding up the game in that sense where it's not as long, I do wish it would help in other areas too. I also like the, the weird runner at second base. Maybe start it in the 11th inning, but I don't mind that. Throw it out there. Then again, I, I'm, a, I'm a wacky, like I'm probably going to have stronger opinions on some of these rule things than, than other people will, but um, I'm very much a... You know, throw the runner on second base. The shift. Where do you stand on the shift, Tom? I'm glad they're getting rid of it because, I, I mean, I've hated watching. And, you know, a guy like Votto, Lord knows how many more hits he would have. And he's not the only guy. How many more? And, you know, in a standard sort of, you know, uh, positioning, there'd be a lot more base hits, which means there are a lot more action in the game. I mean, how many times do you see that guy, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll move the shortstop over, uh, you know, to the right side of the second base bag, and, and, and then you'll move a, uh, uh, or leave the shortstop there and move a third baseman over, something like that. And then the guy's playing in shallow right field, the second baseman, right? And bottle loop one out there, rip one out there, bam, it's an out. Or throw him out from, you know, 50, yard, 50 feet behind the bag. I mean, I, I just think it takes away from the game. Uh, breaking story here. Did you see the Michael Irvin thing? No, I'm no. not. This is, uh, you know, here we go. I mean, here we go. Just like the Joe Mixon thing. He said, she said, this is a story that's breaking right now. And, and, and Michael Irvin apparently has been sent home from the NFL Network Super Bowl coverage after a woman at a hotel made an unspecified complaint. Michael Irvin has come on the radio. Now, he's had his issues in the past. There's no doubt about it. But he came on the radio this morning and said, Sunday night, I came into my hotel. They asked what I did, and I said, I went straight to my room. He's talking about the NFL Network. He said, I met somebody in the lobby, a woman, talked to her in the lobby for about a minute, and then I went to my room. And then after I got up there, 
They said they had to move me out of the hotel. I said, move me in the hotel for what? These are Michael Irvin's comments on the radio this morning. So they moved me out of the hotel. And he says, what is going on here? Why am I being moved out of a hotel? They said, well, last night you walked in, you talked to somebody at a bar. I said, I didn't talk to anybody. He said, I went straight to the room. And then they showed it on camera that indeed that he had talked to a girl for about 60 seconds at the bar. He says, I have no idea why they moved me. He said, I guess the girl said I must have said something to her within that minute that we talked. And so I'm out. Now he's been sent home. Don't know what to make of that. These are the kinds of stories that, I mean, you know, it, the Mixon thing last week, uh, and I'm not saying that Joe Mixon didn't do anything wrong. If he pulled out a gun on somebody, then you know what? Then face the, the, you know, the, the, the music. But this stuff, uh, and, and he might have said something that was so out of line that he should have been sent home. Talking about Irvin. I don't know. I don't know. Um, and quite honestly... If, if it's only a conversation between this man and this woman, or any two people, and they're the only two people there. You might have video inside the hotel that they talked, okay? But if there was no physical altercation here, okay? None whatsoever, and apparently that's the case. No physical situation here. Then that means this guy's being sent home and maybe he should be. I'm not defending Michael Irvin in any form or fashion. But I'm saying you've got a situation here where you've got... Now, if it's somebody you work with, you know, somebody like that, different ballgame. Because, you know, if you're the NFL Network and say this is a woman that works at the NFL Network and you know her and what she's all about and trust her and, all, and we don't know things that have maybe happened at one time or another, we don't know any of these things. But this is going to be... Another one of those stories that I think is going to be very, very interesting to keep an eye on. That is breaking news right now. Michael Irvin um, will not be part of the NFL's uh, net network's coverage. And, and he's on regularly, I think, with Stephen A. on ESPN, too, right? Uh, I'm not sure if it's regularly, but yeah. First take. He, he's on first take yeah, every once in a while. So, I mean, it will be interesting to see if ESPN makes that same decision. Those are two different companies. Disney. And then the NFL Network, owned by the National Football League. Um, all right. Um, do we have a we do. cherry on top? We do. We do. All right. Let's have at it. Brought to you by United Dairy Farmers. It's nothing that you haven't seen probably before yet. Um, it's just a uh, last little bit of momentum for... Uh... I've not seen it, so I'm excited. Oh, you haven't seen the shot? No, yet? I did not. Okay. He's got it. Coming to the end of the third quarter. LeBron James, a shot in history. He handled himself beautifully after the game. He really did. Talk about being humbled. I, you know, I, I had no problem. A lot of people got all uptight about the comment he made about, hey, 
you know, when they were asking about the greatest players of all time, and he ripped off names like that, you know, Kareem, Michael, Elgin Baylor, name we haven't mentioned today, former Laker great. Um, but, he, but, but then he was asked, okay, if you had to, to make one pick and you were a GM, who would you pick? And he says, I'd pick me. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong. Jordan would say the same thing. Yeah. Right? Not wrong with that. Kareem have. would say the same thing. That's okay. We got box lunch coming up. Trace Fowler's still down there hanging out with all the highfalutins down there at Disney World. Just wait. Just wait, boys. I'm the only person that sits in this room with kids. Just wait. You've been? You took your kids Oh, in? yeah. Did you enjoy your time down there? I did. But um, when you're down there as long as he is down there, and they're hitting like four or five of the parks. All four parks. Yep. Okay, four parks down there. Um, I was saying to, to, to Casey, I mean, when you get home. Tired. At about. Well, I mean, it all depends on, you know, you can do things different ways. You can break it up. He's probably staying in one of those elitist hotels like Paul stays in, probably right on the property there, right? He's not. Too expensive. Okay, well, okay. All right. So so for him then, you know, you got to physically leave the park, probably get on a shuttle bus, all Mm -hmm. this kind of thing to get to your hotel. Uh, You're crammed in there with, you know, people. If the weather's hot, everybody's sweating, everybody's tired, kids are crying on the whole nine yards. I mean, when you put your head on the pillow, brother, Tired. I, oh. went, I went this summer with my wife's family, and it's exhausting. Yeah, but you weren't sleeping in a room with children. I was not, okay. no. That's a big difference. Yeah, that's true. Big difference, Pally. That's true. No doubt about it. All right. Boys, anything else? You guys all right? We're good. Yeah, we're good. All right. I will miss you guys. We'll get some uh, video sent. Yeah. Get Luke. It doesn't. He doesn't even have to edit it or anything. Just get Luke to take some video of the 16th hole. All he wants is for somebody to make the hole in one. Because, you know, they, they throw the beers now on the green mm. when that happens. Greenskeeper's yep. got to love If you don't know that. what I'm talking about, YouTube it. It's unbelievable. Greenskeeper got to love that. My dad's a greenskeeper. My, my dad's a superintendent of a golf course, so that would, that would ick him to no end. Oh, yeah. But, but, but it's going to happen. If somebody has if a hole in one, it's going to happen, and uh, he's hoping that he is there to see it. I hope you it's th- all he cares about. I hope you throw your white claw can. Yeah, get that white claw ready to go. That's the best thing to do with a white claw. Throw it on the green. (laughs) (laughs) Or throw it in the rough. Throw it in the rough. Not in the green. You don't want to mess something up. You know, the only reason you'd mess up a green is if you're throwing a a high life. Something like like that. It probably helps you grow. A high life's just, it's it's nature's nectar, right? It just helps the grass grow. I'm sure it's great for it. It really does. It does. It does. White claw will kill the grass. No doubt. Because I don't know what the hell they put in those things. All Nothing right. good. Coming Tom. from the Michelob Ultra crowd. Bush Light. Over there. Bud Light. Natty Light. Yeah. So they sell it. That's it. They sell it to <laughs> Sayo's beer. Sayo. All right. All right. All right, gentlemen. Case, Paul, thank you. Brandon. Absolutely. Time for box lunch. Here we go. LeBron. Take it away, fellas. 